show. It's Deep Feels as always with me, your host Liam Garrow, bringing you just, I mean, truly another knockout guest, just one right after the other. God, I'm good. God, I'm good. Um, This week, I mean, truly the iconic, the legendary, the absolutely, totally handsome, beloved Danny Pellegrino is on the show today. Just cannot wait to talk to him. I'm about to dive into our conversation in just a few minutes. But before we get to him, as always, a reminder to listeners, listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It always makes a huge difference, a great big old help. Follow me on socials at Liam Garrow, really across all platforms. Remember when I was really trying to make Clubhouse happen? Remember when we as a like collective were trying to make Clubhouse happen? God, I just could not bring myself to want to talk to a group of strangers. Anyway, the point is, at Liam Garrow on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, all the places. Uh, what else? I Listen, I'm still contending with a bit of COVID fatigue, a bit of brain fog. I feel like I'm still a touch, a, a touch congested, nothing crazy, but I mean, I still, yeah, I think I'm not like totally myself yet. I feel like I'm 80 or 90%, but slowly but surely. And my God, it's in moments like these. We're grateful for vaccines and for booster shots because holy shit, getting COVID could have been so much worse. Um, So that's really kind of the update on me. I'm going back to LA next week. Very exciting. Can't wait to see a bunch of friends again. It was all very impromptu. I had a friend ask if I wanted to dog sit and I was like, sure, I'll drop $600 on a round round trip ticket. Let's do it. Um, So listen, LA next week. Very exciting. And after this episode, I'm going on summer hiatus. I really am going to take the rest of July and August off. So you have the whole of the summer, the whole rest of it to get caught up, to listen back to episodes that you enjoyed. Maybe if you meant to write that review but haven't gotten a chance yet, now's the time. Now's your time to shine. Um, Listen, let's not keep this, you know, delayed any longer than we need to. Let's get right to my fantastic interview with Mr. Danny Pellegrino. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. Uh, oh my man, God. I had I'm sorry, I had right when I come to log in, of course it's like updating. And I'm like, what the fuck? I know that's my favorite thing. First of all, the thing that you should know about me is that I am secretly 80 years old inside. So oh, there yeah. is a there is a foundational <laughs> piece of me that really does not understand technology, computers please do not ever hand me a remote control. I don't know what to do with it. You and me both. I feel the same way. It's like, yes. I, and I have been doing this for so long. Wait, I, am I recording on my end? You can, or you you don't need to be. This okay. is, I, I really, I make this a very, very lo-fi okay. operation for guests. What you need to do is log on and then that's, and then you're done. And are we using this video? Why not? Okay. Because I mean, you look terrific. Okay, it, me... it'd, be a, it'd be a waste not to. Thank you. Thank you. Let me, um, you do have excellent skin. That is worth noting for people listening at home who can't appreciate the visual, the visual. Do you have a regimen? Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a skincare junkie. So yeah, Are I, you? I do. Yeah. I try, I love skincare. I try different stuff all the time. Um, and I just started using something. Um, gosh, I don't know the name. Definage, Definage, Definage. Okay. And I love it, but it's like a pretty intense system. And intense because you have to like, you're using like sandpaper to apply it or how do you mean? It's like a whole three-step thing every night. 
And I okay. think it's even, I only do it at night, but I think you're even supposed to do it like twice a day. Def, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. And this is not a, a any sort of sponsor, but it's definite, definite. Well, we, we were trying to, we were trying to hope like pull for them actually. So if you could say the name properly, that would be great. Well, that would really yeah. bode well for us. That would actually really bode well for us. And by the way, it'll bode well for me too, because it was way too expensive. And luckily I had like a coupon for it, but I can't afford it to get it again. So I right. need them to throw it and throw me a bone or throw us a bone. Let's send it our way. <laughs> I have been really contending with, because I've been on a skincare journey the bulk of my 20s, because I actually, weirdly, in spite of being an oily Italian, have actually like really bizarre patches of dry skin on my face, notably around my eyebrows. Oh. Like, I had to do a whole I exfoliation. I can't tell, but your skin looks good, too. Thank you. I just showered and exfoliated before I hopped on the Zoom call, because I'm going to be honest, I did want to look good for you. Oh, I'm going to be really transparent about that. But so I am like trying to figure this thing out and I actually thought I had it under control, but then I managed to be a person two weeks ago, Danny, who got COVID in July. And weirdly, I, I actually do, because of course, you know, COVID is just like generally an attack of the immune system. And I think it weirdly did trigger some kind of like dry skin thing for me. Because right. I had like almost like an outbreak, not like of a rash, not like of a bit like of dry skin. And it was like really bad around my eyebrows and then weirdly like behind my ears. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm also half reptile, which is like really think, what I'm trying to tell you. I think the Italian, I'm, my skin's always very oily. I think it's similar. I don't have dry patches, but I, I just feel like oilier than most. Oilier than most. Yeah. Well, that's good for you. I mean, that's not, here's the thing. It's not great for us in the summer because in the summer we are- We just look sweaty. Always. And also always I am, sweaty. and I am a sweater. Me too. Me too. So like to the, like, and I don't mean in the way where like, it's so annoying to me when people are like, no, 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 like me too. And then you look at their face and they look like they just had right. the most gorgeous incandescent glow. Like they're like, I'm really embarrassed. And then you're like, I look like I just finished running a marathon and literally mm-hmm. all I did was stand erect on the subway train. Like that's right. all I did. Well, and I don't know if you're like this. I'm an anxious person too. So which mm-hmm. just contributes to the sweating. So it's like, I, and I hate when people are like, oh, you should try like the natural deodorant or something. It's like, I sweat way too much for to just be trying natural deodorant. Like it's not appropriate for anyone around me. Uh, I, like no one should want me to try natural deodorant. Let me tell you something else about Miss Tom's, okay? girlfriend will leave you in a rash that (laughs) like and i i love a no aluminum situation that's wonderful but i also endeavored down the natural deodorant train probably when i was in my late 20s around the time when we all make that mistake and Mm -hmm. i remember i was like oh this seems like good so far and i probably been using it a month and i was like oh this is great and then sure enough, I happened to look down one day and I was like, oh no, what thing have I eaten that's you triggered this allergic reaction? And then I was like, oh no, it's- oh, the Toms. It's Toms. It's Toms. Right. It's Toms. Right. And so I can't handle it. I need like that. I use this spray. This is so gross. I hope your listeners aren't grossed out by me. They're meeting me for the first time. But I use the, the like deodorant antiperspirant spray because it's like the strongest I feel. Oh. And it's the only thing that really I feel works. And are you loyal to a brand? Is there like a yeah, certain one that you're um, using? It is. It's the blue bottle. I'm. Tr- I don't even know the brand. It's a. It's a blue spray bottle. And I think it is the worst 
for everyone, like for the environment, for my skin, for everything, but it keeps me dry. (laughs) Well, I think because my... Dry-ish. Dry-ish. Yes. And I, first of all, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. The name is not springing to mind, but I feel I, like I it's think... arid. I feel like it's arid. A-R-R-I-D or something. Oh, okay. That sounds familiar. But yeah, I think, you know, I just am like, I want to basically just be a person who looks like they have some regulation of like their body. Like, I think I do like I don't know. I think I come off looking like a person who has like a thyroid condition because it's like everything looks like out of whack. You know what I mean? Like everything looks a foul. It's just hard. It's hard to do, especially where are you at? I'm in Vancouver. Although funnily enough, I'm going to, I'm going to be in LA next week, but yes. Are you, are you having hot weather there? Like we have such hot weather here right now. It's like, you just can't even keep it together in the hot weather. Like I don't, I don't, I'm from the Midwest too. And it's like, I miss just, the seasons because at least there'd be like some point in the year where I wouldn't always just be soaking wet. Can we agree that like spring and fall is really when we thrive? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for fall too. I just went to the store and I bought all this Halloween stuff because they had it out and like already they had it out already at home goods. And I was like, I didn't even realize I didn't, I just sort of got bamboozled into thinking we were almost at fall. And then I got home and I was like, Oh, it's still mid July. Yeah, sure. We're not even like, sort of close to Halloween. And I'm like, where am I going to put all this? Like I bought a lot of Halloween decorations and in my head, I was like, well, it's right around the corner, but it's like, not really. It's not at all. You have to go. I mean, I feel like there's probably like another three national holidays between like now and Halloween. Like there's a chunk to get through. Yeah. Like at least at the end of August, I feel you can get away with it. But I mean, mid July, it was just early, but they had it right there for the taking. And so I, I took it. Well, and when the deal's in front of you. Yeah. And, and when like it's looking, you, yeah. And like you said, that's when we thrive. And it's like, that's the season I'm most looking forward to. I just want it to be fall. And it still stays hot here in the fall. Yes. But at least I feel like there's a, I don't feel like obligated to be outside or to be doing things. Like I can just, it's fall. So I'm like, I could just be watching practical magic again the perfect fall movie well and i think that is true there's a weird kind of pressure especially being in vancouver because of course as i'm sure you're aware like it does rain very heavily here and i think there's a kind of thing that exists in the culture here where when the weather is nice you must absolutely leave your apartment to take advantage of it Mm -hmm. but there's nothing i despise more than when such a gorgeous day should land on a day when i personally don't want to be doing anything right because then I feel really bad about not wanting to leave the apartment. Yeah, you shouldn't have to feel guilty for wanting to just sit on the couch all day. I just want to rewatch Norma Ray and call it a day. Yeah, I get that. That's really Sally Field. Uh, my favorite act- actor on on film of all time. Do you did you watch Brothers and Sisters? I'm of sure you did. Of course I did. Yeah, of course. I just always feel like that never gets the love that like so many of its contemporaries get. Still, like people talk about Desperate Housewives or like the other shows, Ugly Betty or some of the other ABC shows of that era. And I just don't feel like anyone ever talks about that, but I loved it. I did too. And I think the reason for that is because, hmm, two things. Well, one, it's funny because it, of course it did go longer than Ugly Betty. I think Ugly Betty though sort of existed far more as like a cultural zeitgeist show. So it mm-hmm. it's a little more identifiable, but also... Brothers and Sisters, yes, ran longer than Ugly Betty, but then at a certain point was not- it's terrible. 
<laughs> well, and was not also like the ratings juggernaut that like a Desperate Housewives was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think kind of like when, um, was it John Robin Bates? Was he the, I think he was the creator, was he not? Oh, I don't, I think he, I, I think the showrunner like left. I remember there being drama that like they, a new showrunner took him. over at some point. And okay. then I think, and I think the person to take over was Greg Berlanti. And I think when Greg Berlanti took over, God love him. I do think that's when things did change. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost Rob Lowe, which was, and yeah. And I feel like Calista stopped appearing much. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was also the drama with um, Balthazar Getty. Oh yeah. Yeah. He left and they didn't have, you could tell they didn't have a budget towards the end where it was like just so many of the cast members were leaving and you're like, what's going on? And it was like, oh, they don't have the money to pay them all. Which you would think would free up the budget for like other aspects of the show. But then it's like, I, I know it was. And there was that weird thing. Do you remember? Like Justin, the son, yeah. started dating Rebecca, who was like supposed to be a sister at one point. And then they mm-hmm. found out he wasn't the sister. And, but the, and then the creator was like, oh, well, they have chemistry. Make them date. And it was like, this is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable, but do you want to know who was the absolute mainstay, solid, dependable element during that every every season of that show? Sally Scotty. Field. Oh, Sally. Sally. Field. Yeah. I mean, but also oh, yeah. Scotty. But also Scotty. Yeah, but yeah, also Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sally Field. Sally. I mean, that's why to tune in. It was like she was so good, and I, I would argue some of the best television acting of the past 45 years was out of Sally Field. I mean, there's monologues she had in that series, especially those early seasons that were just so fucking good. Uh, And I remember watching with my mom and it was the first series where it was like, I was watching it with my mom on Sundays because she liked the family drama of it all. Mm -hmm. And because there were gay characters on it, I could kind of like feel out how she felt because I was closeted at the time. And so it's like, a backdoor a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she like loved Sally Field so much too. So she was like, I was like, oh mom, this, this is like our existence, even though I wasn't out. I was like, maybe one day this could be. And did your, was your mom cool with the gay characters? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. I mean, maybe not like as cool as I would have liked her to be, but like she was. It was 2006. You know, you it was know? 2006 in Ohio. Like, it, you know. Yeah. I do, it's funny. I was literally thinking about that this morning where I was like, wow, it, like for you, because I think you and I are approximately the same age. Twenty-two. Um, I we are in our early early twenties. So when Brothers and Sisters debuted, we were two. And but I like it's funny because I remember when we were teenagers. Like I remember thinking like, oh my god, here we are, so advanced, and certainly far more advanced than like we were when we were little kids in the nineties, and then you know be, far more advanced in the eighties and nineties. And it's just incredible to me looking at the space that we're living in now, I mean, with all the sort of obvious, um, shall we say, speed bumps uh, that are sort of uh, (laughs) underway, it's looking like potentially, uh, particularly in the States, but um, that it's funny to look at, you know, 06 and being like, wow, actually so many things were so groundbreaking that would be so commonplace now and Mm -hmm. how even Mm -hmm. in 2005 and 2006 you really didn't hear people using the word gay a lot on television and if it was it was kind of predicated around a social conversation around like is this allowed like is this Mm -hmm. is this okay is it okay that we have like gay people on tv how do we feel about that still and that's incredible to me that we've sort of i suppose i've made huge strides do you feel that way as well yeah i think so i think I still get frustrated by the fact of 
I still feel like we have so many ways to go. Like you're right. Oh, we, yeah. I think when we do look back and it's like, yeah. And uh, even like the whole Glee era where it seemed like things were moving at like a rapid pace. And I think where I, I get frustrated is it feels like we just, some the world sort of pumped the brakes after Glee and it was like, okay, let's, you know, take a couple steps back or something. Um, but I look at gay representation and it's like, I look at the landscape and it still feels like we don't really have any gay shows. Like there's, I mean, we have like Queer as Folk on the Peacock Network, which is fantastic. And the other two has a gay lead character, but there's like, it still feels like there's only a small handful based on how many shows there are. You know, if you look at the percentage, we get, there's so many fucking shows and it still feels like, and I started to get sent out on auditions and stuff recently. And uh, I've been, kind of like getting into that world a little bit. And it's like, all the auditions are, I only am getting gay characters and they're always like the assistant. And it's, yeah, the, the lead is a woman or a, a man, a straight man. And it's like this, but the assistant's allowed to be gay. And so it's like, there's gay characters, but they're always sort of like that assist, the assistant of the lead. And so there's very few yes. shows where it's like about the gay experience or, or I also hate when it's like, there's a gay lead, but then they exist in a world where it's only other straight people. And so it's like, yeah, there's a gay lead character, two gay lead characters, but it's like, they're not in a LGBTQ world. Like they're in just surrounded by straights. I don't know. Am I making sense? You are making sense. And do you want to know what I think the big part that has not changed in all of this is the, the logic around, um, well, we already have the gay show. Right. that logic of like yeah. you know yeah. of well well but we already have one i mean it's you know it's uh it's a thing that you know kathy griffin and every sort of like female comic it gets told all the time of like well we kind of are already have like our female slot being filled right now so like we don't need to basically we don't feel like right. we need to invest in you we right have, now we so check we that box on. and so we're good so now we get to move on yeah 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 i've I, yeah that's crazy it's how, frustrating how, it's very frustrating and you know one of the things that i really appreciate about even your uh, presence on Twitter is, you know, you will sort of call out and sort of speak to the culture of that environment and just kind of talking about that, you know, basically exactly the conversation we're having right now, which is like wonderful strides have been made, but there is further to go. And yeah, let's you know, not look overlook this area here that we can work on. Totally. And I'm curious to know, especially as you have now a greater foothold and maybe I'm, you're, t- you're able to take more meetings that you've spoken to more people that more doors are open to now than they were before. Is there something that has surprised you and that you would actually maybe feel like you would want to pass on as almost like a little, you know, nugget of wisdom to someone listening that should they find themselves in a position where they are pitching or if they are in one of these kind of industry meetings, what really has surprised you that is still either told to you or that sort of is still something you're having to contend with in this day and age. Well, the negative I'd say is exactly the conversation we were having where it feels like even trying to sell a TV show or a movie, because I I write a lot of scripted stuff and there's a few projects that have been sort of like uh, optioned or or bought by different places and then just get stuck in sort of that development hell or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so I have never gotten anything made, but I feel like I've seen how many places will tell you they have something similar and what they're really saying and 
is that they already have a, the, the gay project. They already yeah. have a TV show with a gay lead that they're developing. And that's, that's their quota for the, you know, so they might, a production company might be, let's say, developing five to 10 shows. And so if they have one with a, a gay creator or something, then it's like, we have something similar. And I, I always feel like what they're really saying, it's not that the work is similar, just that they have a gay creator or gay writer or something. Yes. Attached. Um, so that's sort of the negative. I think the positive th- thing that I've learned that I, if I could share anything is that it is important to just sort of like bring your own personality to the table and bring what you do best to the table and don't try to like fit in a box. And I, on my show, I've had an opportunity to interview a lot of like writers and uh, creators and, and different people in the industry who are, are wildly successful. And it's like, that's the one thing whenever I ask, like, what advice do you have? The one constant is like, don't try to ch- chase trends or don't try to do what another person's doing. Like do what comes most naturally to you and bring what you can bring to the project. And uh and I wrote a book uh, that came out earlier this year. And one of the things that I learned with the book and that I've learned talking to these creators is that uh, there are people out there when you get a project off the ground that can help you with the technical aspect, but no one can, no one can help you uh, by, no one can bring you to the thing. So it's like, it has to be you and somebody, an editor can help you fix the spelling mistakes or a showrunner can help you make sure that you hire the right, a line producer or whatever. But in order to make the project you, you have to bring you to it. So it's like, don't try to chase a trend or don't, if everyone's doing vampires, don't just try to like write a vampire thing, like try to do you. And, and the projects that I've had sort of the most success with have been stuff that I've only done because I loved it or it's something that I would want to see or to read or, or, or view or whatever. Well, you know, one thing that I think, I mean, I, one of the reasons why I was so excited to get you on the show and even why I'm happy that you and I are intentional the way that we are on, you know, Twitter or TikTok or something is because I, you need to know, I really do firmly believe that you and I in a big way are very much cut from a very similar cloth of being voracious, uh, TV watchers being, I mean, and certainly there are people, uh, that have, I think, very firm holds on our childhood that have been really equally important to people like you and myself, certainly like a Rosie O'Donnell or Bonnie Hunt. I know both of mm. whom you've had the pleasure of speaking with on uh, your podcast. But, um, you know, one thing that I also think, you know, you and I can sort of relate to is like the, because you spoke to this idea of like, you know, how do you stay true to your own voice and not chasing trends? And one thing that I'm sure being sort of like the observer of pop culture that you are, something that you've noticed, I know that I definitely have, is, you know, there are always going to be trends. There are always going to be people who maybe sort of feel the inclination to lean in one lane over the other because they feel like, oh, well, this is kind of what everyone's doing, so I guess we'll do that. But don't you feel like that has been sort of amplified a thousandfold just with how fast media moves now? Like, even this idea of like what's trending on TikTok, for example, it feels like, you know, if there is a personality and I'm saying, you know, I think this is a, she's a very unique voice, but it's like, it felt to me like when Meg Stalter took off, then all of a sudden you had a lot of people who were trying to sound and do Meg Stalter's thing online. Right. So what do you make of people who are sort of, and if you even agree with this assessment of people really kind of at this sort of very incredibly fast right now, uh, falling into trends and maybe not 
honoring whatever their own sort of unique voice is? Well, with content creation, it's so it's so easy to fall into that trap because you look at algorithms and it's like on TikTok specifically, I've been sort of trying to get into it and study it a little bit further. It's it's not something I've used much in the past, but it seems like the algorithm will pick up on certain things if you follow the trend, if you use the sound clips or you you do those things, those prompts that become popular. And and I think similarly on places like Twitter and Instagram, when you do the meme format, it's like that gets a lot of engagement when it's something right now there's that, which I think is one of the worst meme formats is like that little miss. Do you know what I'm oh, talking about? Yes. Yes. Which it's when something like that comes up, it's like the, when you do your version of it, when it's taking off, that usually gets the most engagement. So it's easy to fall into that trap of like just following those trends and doing what other people are doing. But I think if you look at someone like Meg, the reason why I think Meg was so successful is because she was an original with her voice. And I think it always comes across as like a pale imitation when somebody's trying to do what Meg does or when somebody's trying to do what somebody, one of these other creators does. And so I think it's, you always just have to like the things you like. And I always think it's most important. It's like, if you follow what you like, you're going to find other people who do in the space of the internet. So it's right. if I if I tweet about something like brothers and sisters or something, I'm going to attract people like you who also like brothers and sisters. And it's going to be a more uh, meaningful connection than somebody who I connect with the meme format who might follow me, but then they don't really have any emotional connection to me because they don't, they just follow me because they saw a funny meme once and, right. and they're like, oh, I don't know. So, and then they kind of just want you to deliver on whatever the, they think that thing is. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So I think it's always so important to just follow the things that you like and other people will, will find you that way and you'll find your tribe or your, your whatever connections uh, on the internet in that way. Well, you, as I mentioned, you know, on your podcast and in other formats have, you know, had the opportunity to talk to some pretty incredible people. And I do want to zero in on the fact that you have had the chance to speak to uh, people like Bonnie Hunt and Rosie O'Donnell. My faves. The best. And, you know, the fact that Bonnie Hunt does not have a late night talk show and hasn't already for the last oh, 10 years I is know. actually, I think, a crime disgusting she's got a new apple show it's for kids but it's coming out very soon i think she directed and i think she wrote them all too but yes i think she did but um and i was so this is kind of a tangent but i was so sad when when her mom alice died that was so it's a funny thing about when you know someone for or know of someone for a long time and then you like feel like you know their family and so then even when family members of theirs sort of when something happens to them you feel like personally affected by that kind of weird but i mean I know, you know i know but, and we knew alice from her talk show it's like alice would always skype in and then how about even just like when you know all those stories when she was on letterman right like also just all so it's like such a long time but anyway when you find yourself in a position when you are sat you know across someone even if it is through a computer when you are talking to someone like a bonnie hunter or rosie o'donnell how how composed do you feel like you are internally because i mean the interview you come off as being totally prepared and lovely and like informed but like internally are you losing your mind yeah i'm totally losing my mind but i think um bonnie was one of my very early guests and i i know her a little bit like off um i, I had met her on a vacation with a group of friends and we like sort of spent <laughs> a couple days yeah. we sort of spent a couple days together and it was like the greatest weekend of my life she was amazing and wonderful but um 
when I interviewed her, I was so nervous because I do admire her work so much. And she came over to my apartment and I wanted it to be perfect. And I remember having this moment where I was preparing for it and I write all these questions and I watch old interviews and clips and stuff like that. And I always try to go back to the Rosie O'Donnell uh, show because that's always like sort of my North Star. Yes. And I always loved as a viewer when Rosie would fangirl over whoever it was that she was talking to and she would cry with Barbara Streisand or she would show Mary Tyler Moore her notebook with all of her notes from when she yes. would watch Mary Tyler Moore's show yes. or, or she would talk to Bette Midler and gush over Bette Midler. And so I always go back to that and just think like, it's a, I'm fine like if I gush, like I don't, I don't have to keep it cool. I think like with Bonnie, I, I started to tear up during the interview and, and with Rosie too. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, I try to just embrace it instead of trying to like force it or, or hold back or something. I'm just like, well, that's what I liked as a viewer about Rosie O'Donnell. So I always try to only have guests on my show that I want to talk to. I'm not tied to a network or anything. So I don't have, and, and, 80% 80% of my podcast is just me recapping shows. So I just Which have is guests such on. such a skill. Can I just say, oh, no, I really want to just like take a break just to really like address the fact that I don't know that people appreciate how difficult it is to speak alone into a microphone in a way where it feels like you were talking to either one person or a group of people in the room. Like that is such a skill, Danny. It's, uh, I sometimes feel crazy because, and recently I mentioned TikTok. I recently started filming some of my solo recap episodes and so I could put clips on online. Yeah, yeah. And I was like watching the video. I'm like, oh, I seem, I'm like crazy. I'm just talking to myself and I'm like fully caffeinated and I'm using my hands and I'm, but I do try to talk like if, if I'm talking with friends about yes. the show. Yes. Uh, but because of that's kind of where the bread and butter of my show is when I have guests on, it's like, I could just have guests. If, if somebody, if a PR person reaches out to me and I'm like, Oh, I'd be interested in talking to that person. I could talk to them. Or if I want to reach out to someone and say, I'd really love to have you on the show. So I try to just have people I like talking to, and I don't want to not, um, I don't want to not be excited. I, that's why I started my show. And so still, I just had, um, Last week I had Jenny Slate on and I'm like such a huge fan of her work. Yes. I loved this movie, Marcel the Shell. And, Can't wait to and see I that. totally fangirled with Jenny Slate. And, but that I kind of was like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to just interview this person that I loved. Or last year I interviewed Miss Piggy, which like, I can't even believe that I get to interview the Muppet. Like <laughs> that, It was right. at, like me talking and uh, me talking to Miss, the actual Miss Piggy. And it was like, that's so weird. And Great. So I don't ever want to like not be excited about someone. So there's been the times in, in the show of my, my show's history where I maybe had a few people that I didn't like. And I always noticed those like didn't work if I had someone mm-hmm. on because I w- was trying to help a PR person or, or because whatever. Um, or I'm sure because like, oh, well, they seemed like a name. And so that's exciting and good for the show. So I'll do that. And, and it never works. And it's like, I don't, but it, I think even the people, the most successful episodes are the ones I think when I'm most excited. So even if it's not a big name, I had a woman named Lisa Ann Walter, who's, uh, she played Chessie in Parent Trap, like with Lindsay Lohan. Yes, yes. And yes. she's in the new Abbott Elementary. Yes, And it's of like, course, that was one of, of my favorite interviews I've done. And she's not like a huge name or anything, but that was the, I get a lot of messages about that interview. Or Bonnie Hunt too, I think. Although a lot of gay people really recognize Bonnie Hunt as a mm-hmm. genius. Uh, 
there were people who were like, I didn't really know much about her, but I listened and I loved it. And the same thing happened with Jenny Slate last week, where I would hear from these people who were like, I didn't know who this was or, uh, but I think when you're excited and it goes back to that listening to your own voice thing, it's like when you're excited, the audience can get excited and, and that's it's contagious. How, yes. That's full circle. That's how I went watching Rosie O'Donnell's show. Like I didn't know when I was a kid much about Mary Tyler Moore, but watching how excited Rosie was, I wanted to watch it when it was on Nick at night and I would start watching it. And that's how I got into watching Mary Tyler Moore for the first time. And so I think that energy is contagious. Is there a person you have not spoken to yet that is like absolutely on your list of like, oh, to talk to this person, wouldn't that be so lucky? You must have a, a, yeah. a short list of names. Yeah, there's a Mariah Carey is like my number one and I Hell love her. And I, yes. And anytime she has something, I've like I begged her PR. I'm like, just give me five minutes over Zoom or like, you know, trying really hard. And uh, Jessica Simpson and she's someone I'd love to talk to. Nancy Myers is someone who like sometimes will DM a little bit and oh, I've tried and she said when she does press for something, but then it's never happened. But I, I would love to talk to her. And, and Meg Ryan is like right at the top of my list. So I'd say those are. Meg Ryan is fascinating to me because I, th- I am also just fascinated by people who actually kind of, not unlike Rosie, kind of make a choice to walk away from their fame. Totally. And, and at a moment when really it was at its most sort of fevered pitch, like I think that is such an interesting what an absence of ego to be able to be like, no, this doesn't matter or doesn't matter enough. And I'm going to, I'm going to choose a different quality of life and basically say goodbye to this thing. I, I, and I would be fascinated considering the way that you look at the world to know what that conversation would sound like. I think that would be such an incredible interview. I would love it. I mean, I'm so fascinated by the, the evolution of pop culture and sort of the era that I grew up in, in the nineties and the early two thousands, especially how celebrity was treated. I think it's totally different than how it's treated nowadays, but I'm so fascinated by like, you're right. What, what was the thing that made her completely want to step away? I think the media really treated her shitty throughout that whole Dennis Quaid thing. And we can look back now and see sort of like different, we, we see it from a different angle, but during that time, she was really villainized in the Russell Crowe situation. And we learned later mm-hmm. on that Dennis had, they, there, there were so many other components to that whole situation. And so I'm always fascinated by like what that was like to go through something like that. You know, yes. I even talked to I, Audrina Patridge from the Hills is coming. She, I just did the interview with her, but even someone like that, it's like, I'm fascinated by like, what was it like being in the eye of the storm at that time? When and you're so young, so young on every magazine and everywhere you go is like a thing. And mm-hmm. there's paparazzi and and you're judged by your looks and your sexuality and your. She, she was someone, and and I'm not saying the interview was all that, that great, but it's like I'm interested in the what it was, what it what it was like to live through something like that, and what do you look back on now and how does it feel different now? And I don't know. Well, I think I, but that to me is also why I think pop culture is interesting. Cause I think, you know, if for someone who wants to assess it on the surface, like I think that's all you're going to get out of it. And it's going to be this very sort of surface level, completely uh, one note assessment then of whatever it is that you're exploring. But really, you know, pop culture is fascinating to me because it is in equal measure, a direct reflection of where we are, 
where we are culturally at that moment, but also pop culture informs culture mm-hmm. and pushes culture in certain directions, right? Like, you know, uh, and this has been true forever. And then certainly that was magnified with the advent of television. So, I mean, I'm always so appreciative and so, uh, so enjoy your take on anything. Cause again, I just think you are so incredibly sharp and you have an incredible little computer brain through which, you know, the world gets filtered. And I, before we let you go, we should talk about your book for Pete's sake, because not for nothing, you are a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Yeah. I changed all of my bios immediately when I you found have out. To. It was like, you have to. <laughs> but yes, it's a, a book called How Do I Unremember This? And there was a, I've told this story before, but early on when I was writing it and I had all these pop culture references all sprinkled throughout it. And I remember there was one point where I asked my editor, I was like, I think it's too much. I was, there was a reference to the movie Stepmom, which I love. And I was like, oh, should I take that out? Like, are people going to know this reference and then ultimately it was like no that's you that's who you, you i sort of talk in pop culture and that's and your I, voice that i understand genuine that, voice yes. yeah and i understand that like a lot of some readers might not understand everything but hopefully they the ones that do will really enjoy that and uh, i'm working on the next one right now and it's been fun because i feel like i learned so much from that one and and what i like and what i don't like and but i'm so proud of how the book turned out and i feel like it it's it's very me like it's just what i it's exactly how i wanted it to be and as you know it's like sometimes when you do these projects so much of you gets filtered out of it yes, by the end sure. and so with that book uh, even though i with, with how do i remember this even though i feel like i've grown as a writer and all that kind of stuff i still feel like it's all me and um i'm so i'm proud of it and i hope people get it and like it and there's an audiobook too if you want to hear me um do it, but it's a lot of pop culture. It's a lot of nostalgia mm-hmm. and it's just silly, funny stories. And then there's a couple of more dramatic chapters. I ultimately want it to feel like a warm hug so people can read it at the pool or at the beach and just kind of enjoy and yeah. And the next book that you're working on, is this in some ways an extension of How Do I Unremember This? Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to share more soon, but it's similar kind of vibe and uh, yeah, it's similar. I, I had kept writing after that um, because I felt like towards the end of that book, I really understood exactly what I wanted it to be and kind of the, what I wanted the stories to be like. And so I kept writing in the hopes that they would, they or some, the publisher or some other publisher would let me write another one. And so luckily that is, is, seems like it's going to happen. And uh, so hopefully I'll be able to share more soon. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on because we, you, should, we, we have to tell people you are so generous. Danny's literally eating into, no pun intended, his lunch hour to be able to do the show. I so I, I wish, but I wish we could have had like a good solid six hours because you know it's like that's what we really need here. I know. <laughs> well, listen. Well, are you in LA? I'm in LA. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, honey, I'm going to be there for two weeks starting on Tuesday. So if we want to grab a coffee and actually like really get into it, we can. Let's do it. Send me a message and we'll, we'll work it out. Okay, perfect. But thank you for having me. And I'm sorry for sharing about all my sweat. Oh my God. That's all I want to talk about <laughs> is, is the schwitzing. So look at, look at how shiny I am right now. It, it's going to, it always happens. It, for and me, I have, all, I have the air thing right on me, directly on me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, but also this also means if we're oily, it means we will age well. This is the thing to remember. That's true. That's this true. is the thing to remember. Tell everybody your socials, tell that, plug all the things that you need to plug. 
I'm at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. My book is called How Do I Unremember This? Please go get it. So they let me do that next book. Uh, and my show is called Everything Iconic. It's wherever podcasts are available. Danny Pellegrino, let's get him out of here so he can enjoy his lunch. Now, this, is the, this is the professional part. Everyone, you're going to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Danny, I always tell people. Okay, I am- wait. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I, for your listeners out there, there. I yeah. know when, when we say as podcasters, can you yeah. go please rate and review? You know, it's annoying. Like I get it. I feel mm-hmm. that whenever I'm saying that, but it's so important and helps the podcaster so much. So if you're listening to this podcast, help Liam out and go take two seconds. It's really a quick little thing to do. It doesn't take very Thank long. You. And it's so incredibly helpful. It helps people find the podcast. It helps people. It helps you get guests. It helps so many different things. So although you're hearing him say it and you've heard whatever podcast you listen to, you hear the host say that and you kind of, it rolls off you and you think, oh, I'll do that another time or it's not a big deal. Just try to take it it really takes two minutes tops to do it. And it really helps so much. So go rate five. Thank stars. You. And if you don't think it's five stars, don't rate it. Just go about your day. Then oh, forget to do it, but only here's, do it five star. <laughs> here's, no, here's what I tell people. I always say two things. I'm not interested in anything under five stars. And even if you don't like the show, rate it five stars and then write a comment of what you actually think. Yeah, exactly. I, listen, exactly. again, the algorithms. Let's just cheat right. the algorithms. Right, Danny. the algorithm. And send me, I always say like, if you, if you don't like something, send me a message. You don't have to go like publicly. Like <laughs> DMs are like open. a one star review. Like just, yeah, send me a DMs message. DMs are always open. This. Danny, okay, Liam. thank you so right, much. I love you. Thank you. We'll talk Bye. soon. Bye.